This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone. And thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution, a mini seminar which will add tools to your mediation toolbox. We're brought to you by Lawyers Pacific Insurance Brokerage, Inc., the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals, and ADR Services, Inc. Uh, this season, our third, we're changing the format just a bit. We'll still be providing insights into the mediation process, but we're going to be doing so through the power of storytelling. In each episode, you will hear a story about a conflict, the impact that conflict had on the lives of the parties involved, how resolution was reached, and lessons to be taken from that conflict and its resolution. Now, many of the stories, many of the details of the stories you're about to hear uh, have been modified to preserve the confidentiality essential to mediation while also conveying the essence of the conflict and its resolution. Uh, joining me today is one of my very good friends, Stacy Hausner, who uh, is is just an incredible mediator. Uh, she brings an energy to mediation, uh, a, a a high degree of competence, uh, a, a creativity that you just wouldn't believe, and um, she has clearly impressed a great deal of. Uh, attorneys and parties alike. Um, and she has a, a deep knowledge, not only of the mediation process, but she has the ability to apply the concepts successfully and has mediated more than, I think, 500 cases in, or maybe a thousand by this point, uh, in, in a variety of substantive areas. Uh, she also teaches uh, at um, Pepperdine University, where she is an adjunct professor, and um, at the uh, Strauss Institute, and um, is very, very much in demand, both as a mediator uh, and as a, a trainer of, of other mediators. Uh, she has given a variety of seminars. I always enjoy listening to Stacy uh, and her seminars, and... Um, I welcome you. Stacy. thank you for joining us uh, today. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for that nice introduction. I'm so appreciative. I, I call him like I see him, Stacey, and, that's, oh. uh, and that's, that, that's how that goes. So today, we are going to be hearing from Stacey uh, in a story that, well, I've kind of entitled Friendship in Business, a Recipe for Success or conflict. So, 
Stacy, why don't we start with what the background was of this story uh, and uh, how it unfolded? Well, I like your title. I really do. Um, and I'm excited to share with you a mediation that I had a couple years ago. Um, and I thought it might be a fitting story for this podcast. Um, we had a business dispute between two close friends. Um, both are members of a Persian community, a smaller community within Los Angeles, where they were close family friends. They shared a lot of the same friends. Uh, they knew each other's extended families, and they were very involved in each other's lives for years. Um, they both grew up here in Los Angeles. Um, one of the men, he was the plaintiff in this case. He's a 65-year-old man. He had recently retired, and his mother, unfortunately, was dying of cancer. He was the sole caretaker for his mom, and it was a very, very difficult time for him in his life. His friend, his name, we're going to call him, as Len mentioned, we're going to change names to protect the privacy of the individuals. We're going to call him Arash. Um, at the time, his friend Danny um, was a 40-year-old, maybe 45-year-old man, um, and he was close with Arash's mom. He was close with Arash. Um, their families were very interconnected. And during this time, he came to Arash and said, look, I have a business venture that I'm involved in, um, and I wanted to know if you wanted to make an investment. He thought at the time that he was doing Arash a favor, given the struggles that Arash was having, um, familial-wise. Uh, he came to him and he said, here's my business venture. I'm investing $300,000 of my own money, and I wanted to know if you wanted to make an investment. I have two deals that are taking place, and I'll be managing the deals. The first is an investment in a movie production. Um, I'll, I won't say what movie it was, just to protect the privacy with regard to that as well. But part, I'm doing a deal, a venture that involves the production of a movie, and I have a second venture that I'm doing that's an international business. Um, and do you want to in invest? any amount in this deal. Um, Arash liked the sound of this um, and said, all right, I'll give you $100,000. Um, you can divide it accordingly, however you see fit, but here's $100,000 for these business ventures. Um, so he invests in it. Now, unfortunately, um, neither business was successful. Uh, Danny lost $300,000 in the deals and Arash lost $100,000 in the deals. Um, and that is what led to the conflict. It, it, the, the conflict that that existed or that, that came to be uh, changed how they viewed each other, or at least perhaps just how Danny viewed Arash, Arash correct? That is correct. So the... This deal unfortunately created large rifts in their relationship, 
and the relationship of their family members and the relationships of their friends. So it had this ripple collateral effect in the community because they were so all so close and intertwined. So when they came to the mediation, it had been about a year since these guys had spoken to one another. And I know that they were having trouble speaking to the mothers and the brothers and the sisters and the friends. So it was highly volatile. It was highly emotional when it came to me. So, so the, so you have a, a backdrop of community and, and I, I would imagine the community members, some are taking one side, some are taking another side. Uh, and so there's a, there's kind of a constituency that each of them has to, has to please. And, and let me just inject this. Was there a um, a problem too with with the fact that in such situations people often talk and and they, they often when I say people I'm talking about the non disputing parties talk and uh, it creates a kind of a uh, a situation where there might be a loss of face. That is is also injected in this kind of of mediation. Did did that occur here? Yeah, you know, I felt that there was ego involved. I felt that there were relationships that were concerning to them because of the tight knit nature of this community. I did get that they weren't specific with me about who, who was taking sides or how they were taking sides, but it was very clear to me there was a lot of emotional pain and suffering um, that extended wider than just their relationship. And I knew that that was a factor we were going to have to address. And, you know, from a mediation perspective, it is something I talk about, you know, wouldn't it be great to repair this relationship, not just because of this relationship, but all the suffering surrounding it with your other relationships. So I was able to identify that, that it did have that type of collateral community impact for both of the guys. And that you recognized created an opportunity. And we'll get into that. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. Uh, you're listening to Masters of Dispute Resolution. Our guest is Stacy Hausner, and uh, we're chatting about friendship and business. We'll be back. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder, Lucy Barron, for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy, and we're chatting with Stacy Hausner, uh, about friendship and business and a dispute that arose from that. Um, when we, when we broke, uh, we were talking about, uh, the, 
the impact on uh, the the community and things of that nature, um, and uh, and and the, the loss of reputation. Uh, there are a lot of things that people bring into a mediation session. And uh, Stacy, could you kind of uh, fill us in on what the parties? attitudes uh, seem to be uh, before the mediation. And I think you kind of have to start with perhaps pre-mediation phone calls. Right. So in my practice, I do two things before a mediation. One is I ask the attorneys to give me a brief that lays out both the legal and the factual issues surrounding the dispute. Um, and I have a pre-mediation phone call with the attorneys with for each side separately. And go from the briefs, it was, you know, legally, it was clear what the issues were. We had some fraud and some negligent management and things like that. Uh, typical business dispute. Um, but what was interesting and what I thought the mediation would largely turn on is these relationship issues, these other issues that that could be involved in the dispute. And that's common. It's like rare in mediation where it's all about legal issues. There's so many other things going on, including ego and emotions and thoughts of betrayal and loss and isolation and all of that. Um, so it was pretty clear to me I had a lot of that that would that I'd have to deal with if I were going to bring these parties towards a resolution. Um, in talking to the attorneys right off the bat, uh, we were exploring those issues. They were giving me a heads up that their clients were very emotional about the dispute um, and the issues surrounding the dispute. And that, you know, Arash's counsel told me he wants his money back. And he's not going to settle unless he gets his money back, that he was pretty firm. And that's typical when somebody feels betrayed. Um, they want to be compensated for that, and their ego gets involved, and so they dig in with those types of issues. So going into the mediation, I knew I had heightened emotions, um, and I knew I had ego and relationship issues that might be able to help me get us to a resolution. I don't always think that's a bad thing. I, I typically think that gives me another avenue to explore um, towards resolution. So I was ready for all of that going into our mediation. Could you just expand for a moment on what the sense of de- uh, of betrayal came from? I mean, we have a situation where uh, Danny uh, invested his own money three times what uh, what Arash did, and he lost his money. Um, where did the sense of betrayal, what was the basis of that? Yeah, that's a great question. The, he felt that he was preyed upon when he was in a vulnerable state. So he has his mom dying. He trusts Danny um, implicitly, and Danny, he thinks Danny took advantage of him. He was not listening or very concerned with what happened to Danny's money. He didn't care. So that wasn't part of his analysis coming in. Um, he was saying, I was vulnerable, and this guy preyed upon me and took advantage of me. 
when he shouldn't have. And he, you know, there's things he didn't give me the full picture. I would never have invested if I had known X, Y, and Z. Um, but the, he wasn't able to hear, at least at the outset, that Danny was acting in good faith and in fact invested his own money. Um, and that way, you know, oftentimes when people are in conflict, they don't look at the entire scenario. And as mediators, we're getting them to consider other perspectives and other, you know, issues that they may not be thinking about. It, it sounds, uh, it sounds as if, uh, Danny, uh, had, uh, perhaps lacking in, in empathy, uh, for the losses that, uh, Arash had going into this as well. Yeah, I, I think Danny really thought he was helping Arash. And so that, what he said, I was doing him a favor. There's a risk. Everybody who invests, everybody who undertakes business ventures knows there's some risk, but I thought I was letting him in on this great deal I had found and I was going to manage and control the whole thing. And I trusted myself and there's just a natural inherent risk in this. Uh, he turned out to be a pretty empathetic guy, Danny. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at, when they were together in the mediation, we'll get into that. Um, he had a lot of empathy and tolerance and desire to make things Arash feel things were right and fair. So that was helpful to me in getting them to resolution. Okay. Uh, now, did the when you had the pre-mediation uh, telephone call with the attorneys, did any of did either of them provide you with any cautions or uh, about the client that? proved to be helpful in the mediation? Yeah. I mean, they gave me the heads up on the heightened emotion. They did not want to start in a joint session. Um, that's very common in Southern California, especially. Everybody wants to be in these private meetings, these caucuses, and stay in the caucuses. Um, us mediators tend to allow it because we get to control all the communication when you're in caucus. So we reframe and take out toxicity and make the communications productive to settlement. Um, and they had, you know, expressed that. Um, so that was a given that we're going to start in a caucus, um, not have the guys together because of the heightened emotions. Uh, that was my instinct anyway. I wanted to get a feel for the guys um, to see how they were reacting, to see if they were open to creative resolutions or future relationships, um, what their emotional temperament was. So it was a good way to start. They, they cautioned me on it, um, and it made a lot of sense. It, it was the right strategy. And very common, as you know, in L.A. for these mediations. Well, what that gives uh, the mediator is an opportunity to do some private information gathering. And information gathering is a, a absolute key uh, because there are there are things that come out as you gather information that provide you with an opportunity to to say, hmm, okay, uh, maybe this area of conflict is actually a an area of possible solution, right? I, I absolutely agree. So I think when we have these private meetings, that's what we're exploring for sensitive information, paths to settlement and resolution. Um, so absolutely. 
it's always a good idea for us to be able to really see how we can get this case resolved. Where are obstacles to settlement? Where are paths to settlement? Can I put them together? Do I need to keep them apart? Do we have creative resolutions to get past impasse? All of that, I I 100% agree. Okay, so now the day of mediation comes. This was something that happened pre uh, pre COVID, pre Zoom, um, I I believe. Yes. uh, And so the parties come in and they come into they are escorted into separate rooms. Um, Could you please give us an idea of what? each party's attitude was uh, going into it and, um, you know, kind of put a a marker on that one because we're going to see maybe how those attitudes changed. Yes. Okay. Well, they came, Danny came in wanting resolution. He was calm. He said, I don't know what I can do, but I want to get this resolved. It's impacting my entire life um, and I don't have money. Arash came in very upset. He wanted his money back, um, and he didn't want to hear anything about it. Um, when he talked about it, he was visibly upset. He felt he had been taken advantage of, and he wasn't in the mood to compromise. Um, so they came in with, he came in very triggered, highly emotional. Um, and Danny had a calmer attitude, which is, was very helpful to getting towards resolution. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we get back, uh, we're going to be talking more about those attitudes and more. Uh, this is Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy, and we're chatting with Stacy Hausner. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there are so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with lawyer-specific insurance brokerage on your side, you don't need to. Their professional liability experts shop California's leading insurance carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the best price. Lawyers Pacific founders Al and Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest rated providers of lawyers professional liability insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California to find a cost-effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to LawyersPacific.com and click Request a Quote. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. Uh, I'm Lynn Levy. We're chatting with Stacy Hausner and uh we are talking about a story that uh, of a mediation that Stacy conducted a few years ago uh, about two friends who got into business together and it didn't quite work out. So we we were talking when we broke about the the attitude of one being 
um, uh, very emotional and, and, and wanting to essentially get his pound of flesh, as I'm understanding it. And the other, uh, the other, uh, although he lost three times as much money as the, uh, as the, as the first one, um, wanting to get this dispute behind them. So your task was to reconcile that. Yes. And your approach was? <laughs> my my approach, well, so my approach kind of developed organically. When I had them in the room and the lawyers were involved and talking law I and talking money, that was, I knew pretty quickly I was not going to be able to get this case settled. So when I got in there, Arash wanted, you know, several hundred thousand dollars. I think it was three, four hundred thousand dollars, because not only did he want his money back, but the money he'd spent on the, the attorney and thought he could get punitive damages. And, you know, that number quickly got pretty large. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, when I'm in the room with Danny, he's saying, look, I was trying to help this guy. I worked in good faith. I did nothing wrong. I'm going to win. Should we go to trial? Um, I couldn't pay him even if I wanted to pay him, and I can't offer him anything. So I'm left right at the outset with a three hundred or four hundred thousand dollar gap. Now, as you know, Len, oftentimes a defendant will say, "I can't pay anything. I have no money." And then, as mediators, we explore ways for them to pay. Right? Like we can do payment plans. We can get talk about liens and loans and and whatnot. Um, and we try to help somebody at least give somebody. So I'm not certain there's no money exchanged at this point, but I, I have a general sense this is not my best path to settlement is to get the lawyers involved and go from 400 maybe to 350 to 320. That's not going to be very productive or a good use of time. So that was pretty clear pretty quickly in these separate caucus meetings that, you know, dealing with the shuttle diplomacy. And, and, and at this point, you're still having to overcome the, this, this level of, of, uh, emotion that is, uh, essentially demanding of this pound of flesh. Uh, it, it, it brings to mind a, a, a mediation that I had, oh, must be 20 years ago where the opening demand was, I want him either dead or out of the country and yeah. that's going to change. So, um, uh, you, I think, were more successful in this one than I was in that one. Arash was very, very upset. I couldn't, you know, it was anger mixed with sad, but it, a lot of it was this sense of betrayal. Um, and that's how he, cause that's what he chose to talk about every time I asked a more open, broad question. Yeah. So how, so what, was there a, a single key to unlocking this this door of opportunity that that you knew had to be there. Yeah, I I don't know if there was a single key, but I started pretty quickly talking about trying to find 
what we call creative resolutions. I'm seeing if I could, you know, talk about, I was talking about the relationship. I was exploring potential future business relationships. I was talking about, you know, other ways we can create value other than with money, something he could be interested in. Um, And I was, while doing all of this, I was showing a lot of empathy, um, which I think it's very important mediators do. Um, This is oftentimes the first time they can tell an objective, neutral person what's happening. Um, It sometimes gets that day in court feeling. Um, So I I wanted to make sure I was very empathetic. And the other reason was because I needed them to trust me to change the process. And unless I had them trusting that I could guide them to settlement and look out for their interests, I wouldn't have been able to change the process to allow us to get to resolution. So I was very keyed in, not only in talking about these creative types of resolutions, but trying to build that type of trust and rapport. And and what what you what you're illustrating now is something that people may not really realize, and that is that it's it's not just attacking the dispute. It, it's not just trying to overcome emotions per se. It's how you approach it, what mediation process you are going to apply. Now here you are in a in a separate session. And um, uh, from from what I uh, your your conversation with me, uh, eventually it became a joint session. Um, now, before we get into that, though, I want want to just just um, uh, ask you. It's been my experience that attorneys can be very resistant to a joint session. And we could spend probably two hours talking about that resistance. But um, you concluded that the process had to be changed up. And I think you're leading to that joint session, correct? Absolutely. So I knew that I needed to get some healing here. Uh, these guys hadn't seen each other in a year. They were upset about that and that that might be an avenue towards settlement for me. So I wanted to get them together, but I was actually wanted to do it even more extreme, which is even harder to get the buy-in from the attorneys. And that is to get the guys alone with me. Um, I thought it would be advantageous to have the lawyers out so that the conversations were not legal that the conversations were about their relationship and about brainstorming for a solution here where they could work together potentially in the future. And I didn't want to be talking about the elements of negligence or fraud claims. That's how we typically do it, right? Um, But in this case, that wasn't going to get us anywhere. So we had to switch it up a little bit. Um, And I had to have the lawyers trust me enough to let me take these guys into a room without them. And I had to have the guys um, comfortable with that as well. And so I always say when I'm training mediators, everyone in the room is our client. We need to connect with everyone in the room. They all have to trust us because we, when we leave the room, we don't know who the decision maker is. Um, and if they have a mother, a brother, a friend in the room with us, I, you know, they too have to trust me. And so in this case, um, I was fortunate enough that both of the lawyers said, all right, 
let's see what you can do. And both of the guys were okay with it when I proposed it. So it didn't end there because I always, when I, so I use joint session as a vehicle to settlement. If I'm going to hit an impasse when we're in these caucus format, I say, I, I like to think of a change in process. Sometimes it's bringing the lawyers in the room to talk about a legal issue. Sometimes it's bringing everybody together to talk about it. In this case, I used the judgment. I thought it would be best to just bring the men in. And when I do any joint session, I, oh, I call it coaching. Um, but I always have a conversation of what's going to happen, what it's going to look like, uh, what happens if you get yelled at? Is there a taller, you know, ha- what's your tolerance for a change of tone? If there's going to be an apology, what is that apology going to look like? Because I'm sorry you did that is not a very effective apology, right? So if somebody's telling me they want to apologize, we talk about what that's going to look like, how you can respond to different reactions to that. Um, do we need an, an out? So if it's too much for you, do you want to raise your hand? Do you want to, how are you going to signal that to me? Um, so we, I really, before I go into a joint session, I've had the, a pretty detailed conversation with both sides. And I did do that before going in. And I did that with the attorneys present so that the attorneys could tell me, Stacey, I don't want you to do this, or this is going to be too much. So I really got the attorneys involved also in crafting what this joint session process would look like. And I think that's really the way to do it when you, you know, to be respectful to the attorneys as well. And uh, we're going to take a break, uh, our last break, actually. Uh, We're going to get to uh, how well the coaching, uh, the coaching took. And uh, sometimes, like in football or basketball or any other sport, uh, you can coach, you can you can advise, but sometimes on the field, it doesn't play out that way. Very We're, true. Well, we'll be back. This is Len Levy. I'm with Stacy Hausner on Masters of Dispute Resolution. Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States, with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, NADN.org is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today. With over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies, and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria, including location, case expertise, qualifications, language skills, and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars, online making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.NADN.org today. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy. We're chatting with Stacy Hausner. And um, we were... When we broke, we were talking about coaching and coaching for a joint session. And in this case, how did it go? 
Yeah. And you forecasted this a little. I don't even know that you knew you were. Um, they didn't listen to my coaching. So one other thing when I was coaching was both these men communicate in Farsi with one another. And I knew that from the caucus sessions. I knew that they communicated typically in Farsi. So one condition to going into joint session, given I don't speak Farsi, was that they would communicate in English, in which they both promised me that they would do that. So that was the part of the joint session that they did not live up to their promises. Uh, we get into the joint session and immediately they embrace and they start crying. And I would say they embraced for like several minutes. It wasn't just a quick embrace, but they were sobbing into each other's arms. And so at first I'm like, oh my gosh, this completely worked. This was fan, this is fantastic. Um, and I just let it go. So I think part of being a mediator also is not saying things a lot of times and stepping back. You don't, we want to help. We don't want to interfere in a negative way. So I let them embrace. Um, and when they were done embracing and, you know, again, it was several minutes, might have been five minutes. Um, I, we sat down at a table and they were facing each other. Um, and I, you know, I opened the conversation. Thank you both for coming in here. I wanted to get the two of you together to see if we could get this dispute resolved. So something very broad because I wasn't sure where we were going. Um, with all of this, but I was hoping for some relationship repair because that was going to allow me down a creative path. Um, and Arash, who was the one who was highly emotional and Danny was expecting it. He knew. And in fact, he was going, he told me, I'm going to be calm. Don't worry. I want to resolve this. Um, he, he's one of the reasons I, I was able to get them to join session because I did trust that temperament that I wouldn't get this, um, you know, toxic venting that just destroyed the whole mediation. Uh, so Arash started yelling in Farsi. Now the tone was very escalated. I didn't know what he was saying because I don't speak Farsi. Um, so I'm looking at Danny to see, do I need to jump in here? Do I need to help? Um, Give me a clue what's happening, right? So 70 to 90% of all communication is nonverbal. So I was reading anger. I was reading heightened emotions um, from the tone. And Danny saw me looking at him, um, and we had planned some of this. And he raised his hand. He was saying, Stacey, it's okay. It's okay. Like, let it go. So I let it go, um, you know, for probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I kept looking at Danny, kept saying, it's okay, it's okay. And after about, I saw Dan, it, it seemed to be somewhat repetitive. I saw Danny kind of shifting, looking frustrated. Um, and that's when I decided to jump in. Um, and I asked them if they, you know, what's ha- basically what's happening. Um, can they summarize what's been taking place? And I did that b- both for a break, but also because I, I got the sense it's now time for me to get us brainstorming and productive. Right. Um, so that, that's where we went from there. Okay. So the, the idea at this point was essentially to allow the 
emotions to express themselves. People who who uh, go into a mediation sometimes think, oh, no, it, it's it's not a good thing if people get angry or if they if they. Sometimes you need to you need that. Once they express that, then the the atmosphere changed. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I do believe people need to event um, to be able to move on, to be able to move towards change. And so I was allowing for that. Now, the, the danger in that and the risk always when someone's venting is, can the recipient handle it? Is their ego involved? Are they going to have to then vent too? And if they do, where does that take us? But Danny, that's why I was watching Danny. I always watch the recipient because everybody has different tolerance levels for, for heightened emotion. I um, mean, for tone of voice. And so Danny allowed me, allowed Arash to do the venting necessary. So then we were able to switch the conversation. And that's where we found our resolution. So I said to them, look, is there, you know, Danny's saying he doesn't have the money to pay you back. Is there a way that we can work together to make money and him to create opportunities for you to make your money back? Um, and that is where we were able to come up with some idea. So I left it up to them to brainstorm, to hear what types of business ventures they had available um, that they could come up with. And Danny quickly said, look, I right now am involved in selling Persian rugs. And I am willing, um, Arash, to allow you to make a commission off of that, that I will get you Persian rugs, I will give you X percent, um, on the sale of these rugs, and we will get you your money back. So then the conversation, then I helped them with what, per, you know, negotiating the percentage he would make on the commission. We negotiated the contingency that the rug not be, him not able to sell a rug, whose responsibility would that be? We negotiated a standard or quality check. So we got a third person in to assess whether the the rug met a certain quality um, so that he wasn't wait Rosh wasn't wasting his time trying to sell a rug um, that wasn't a certain quality. We dealt with pricing of the rugs um, and how we would determine that and we used a third party for that. So I helped them just from my experience with this figure out contingencies and areas for negotiation. And in that that also uh, required them to be able to have a civil a civil conversation about this and a rational conversation. And um, so, by helping create the atmosphere where that conversation could take place, that was an absolutely essential way uh, of means by which. The matter was resolved. And, and let me, let me just comment on one thing. There is a difference in my mind between settling a case and resolving a conflict. And uh, here you resolved a conflict. Could you, could you briefly comment on that? And also, please give me any takeaways that you think uh, might be important for people. 
Yeah, absolutely. In this one, I felt like it, it extended beyond just getting this case settled. So when we have a past relationship and a potential for an ongoing relationship and we really can repair that relationship, it feels so much more than settling a case. I mean, these guys walked out arm in arm, essentially, um, saying, I can't wait to visit your brother. And the other one was going to tell their friends and they were planning, you know, social interactions again and how happy the rest of the community would be, all these mutual friends and relationships. Um, there was such happiness and relief there that made it feel so much more than just settling this case. And that, you know, with one-time encounters or accident cases, it often is a, is a settle the case. And, but here it was so much more. It, it really was. And, and that was, you know, such a feel good takeaway for me as a mediator, but that's not important. What, it, what's important is, is for them, how they were able to walk away from this dispute. Right. And, you know, the idea that that disputes um, affect other people, affect communities, uh, uh, are sometimes overlooked. Uh, and and you have just an incredible amount of insight and and really the the practicing the art of mediating. Uh, you need. And, and what Stacy, I'm, I'm going to say to our audience, what Stacy exhibits is a real feel for how the art should be practiced. So, uh, Stacy, before we wrap up, and unfortunately we are out of time, um, before we wrap up, can you please uh, let everyone know how best to contact you? Yes. Well, first, thank you so much for those kind words. I really appreciate that. Um, you can contact me through ADR services. Um, you can call my case manager, Chelsea Mangel, or you can email me at shausner at adrservices.com. Uh, both of those would be great ways to reach me. Well, thank you again, Stacy, for being a guest on Masters of Dispute Resolution. And uh, thank you, Daryl Wayne, uh, engineer and uh, and producer i'm your host len levy and this is masters of dispute resolution on podclips.io powered by infogen labs inc i hope you will continue to enjoy the stories we bring you uh, and in the meantime stay well keep listening and remember peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved if you wish to contact Len Levy, you can reach him through his email at lslevy at adrservices.com, through Len's website, lenlevymediate.com, telephone him at 818-903-5562, or contact his case manager at ADR Services, 213-683-1600.